what? The mustard seed. Yes, if you want to pull up that first verse, Titus, it comes out of, uh, there's a couple spots it's in, but I'm using the one out of Luke, chapter 17, verse 6. And this one reads as follows, New Living Translation. It says, The Lord answered, If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, pretty small, right? You saw what was on the tip of the finger, right? It was just a little tiny seed. You could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Would that be pretty cool? Just go walk and be like, yo, tree, dip, get out of here. Seed. That would be, for one, that would be a long ways to go from here, right? (laughs) To throw a tree into the sea from Montana. That'd be quite the distance. Just launch into the sky. But Jesus is trying to make a point with the people. He's like, you doesn't take much faith to get something done with God. All you need is a little faith. And sometimes that's all you've got. If you if you know that classic, what is it, Mercy Me song? Is it all I need is a little faith? Well, that's all I have right now. (laughs) But this is what I want you guys to see as we go through this series is that young people are capable of doing amazing things. Do you guys believe that about yourself? Do you believe that about each other? You guys can actually accomplish some pretty amazing stuff. And there's examples in Scripture. Oh, this is still on. I was like, no, you didn't. (laughs) Oh, well, I must have bumped it or something then. Because it was green again. <laughs> In your Bible, there's some stories about some very young people that did some incredible things for God. Amazing things for God. I mean, it's so much so that it builds our faith today. There are people in the Bible that were listed as some of the, the pioneers of our faith. And it started with them being teenagers. That's amazing, Right? And that was really the idea that God gave me. Well, let's, let's start it off with the Christmas season with some stories of people whose faith maybe wasn't old. It was pretty young. And one example of that is Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. She doesn't show up in the Bible a lot, but she's a very important figure, wouldn't you say? Right? Catholics would really agree with that, which if you want to talk to me about that, you can later. <laughs> but in Luke chapter 1, this is where Mary shows up in the Bible. So she shows up at the beginning of the Gospels because obviously she brings about the Savior of the world into the world. And in Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 28, can I get somebody to come up here and read this? Who raised their hand first? Maddie? Josh did? <laughs> Josh's hand is enough. Maddie, come on over here. So I'm going to do verse 28 through 30. We'll start with that, okay? So right here, all the blue right here. Yep. Oh, okay. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern the sort of with what sort of greeting this might be. 
And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Yes. Let's give her a hand. Take a piece, Mary. Go ahead. Scholars believe Mary was more than likely, she was probably a teenager when all of this happened, which in today's standards of society would be kind of weird, right? <laughs> for, for, specifically for God to use somebody who's a teenager to bring about the birth of the Savior. But, I mean, it would make sense if you understand the prophecy of what needed to happen. It needed to be somebody who was a virgin. <gasps> I said virgin. Oh, no. You guys had health class, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, Benjamin. No, it doesn't say that. Based off of the understanding of society and Jewish culture, typically women got married in their teen years in Jewish society. Um, so they don't know exactly, but most scholars believe she was probably somewhere within her teenage years. Um, and you can research that. You can look it up if you want. How old was Mary when she gave birth to Jesus? And you'll find all sorts of articles and stuff on that. But it makes sense if she needed to be a virgin that it would be somebody who's not married yet in Jewish society who is a teenager. Pretty good chance and guaranteeing that that was who she was to bring further assurance of that prophecy happening. So in this story, an angel shows up, the angel Gabriel comes on the scene, he shows up to Mary and says, you have found favor with God. How many of you would want to hear that? Right? Would you want an angel to show up in your room one day and just be like, hey, you have favor with God. Would that be pretty cool? I mean, I think it would get my attention if that happened to me. It would probably get Caitlin's attention too. <laughs> You're like, ah, what was that? But... It gets her attention, but she is unsure what this could mean. Why do I have favor? What are you, what are you implying? <laughs> Mary was very intuitive. <laughs> she pondered a lot. She thought a lot. And in this passage, it says that she was greatly troubled at the saying. She's like, okay, what do you want from me? <laughs> and... In Jewish society, as a young woman, you would probably think, what do you want with me? Why am I anything of significance? Because in that society, they weren't really of much importance. That's just the way it was in the society. It doesn't mean it was right, okay? I want that to be clear. But for her, she's like, me? I have favor with you? Why are you choosing me? Favor with God typically comes with a cost, and she's aware of that. Jesus warned the disciples that they would be hated by the world because they follow him, because the world hates him. And if you choose to have favor with God, you might not have all the favor in the world with the world. You're going to have some troubles with the world. And she understands that. Mary had her fair share of haters in the world. Because either she was telling the truth when this actual thing happened, as we know did, right? That she ended up becoming pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit and she gave birth to the Savior of the world. 
But she was either telling the truth about it or she was lying and she was using this as a cover-up for her cheating on her husband, which is obviously not true, right? We know that. So let's keep reading. Who wants to come up here and keep reading the story with Mary? Come ahead, Benjamin. So we're going to start with here. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his and of his kingdom there will be no end. Amen to that, right? That's good. This this sounds incredible, right? I mean, I, I know for myself, if when Caitlin was pregnant with one of our kids, an angel showed up and said, hey, you found favor with God. Let me tell you about your child. And then this was described of who they were going to be. I'd be like, whoa, <laughs> that's amazing. Really? I would be floored at that. I would be super happy. But what's Mary's predicament <laughs> what's her situation for one she's a virgin two she's not even married yet she's just engaged and i mean it's like wait hold up what are you saying here <laughs> how is that even possible it sounds pretty incredible what the angel is saying but she's got a big question and understandably so so let's keep reading i'll read the next one luke 1 verse 34 through 38 It says, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. So that right there is a miracle. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The story of Mary is incredibly short, but it's incredibly powerful. What is her response here? What was... The response she said, it's in the last verse, verse 38. She's got a question. How's this supposed to happen? And who else would have that question? Anybody? (laughs) What are you talking about? That is impossible. (laughs) That's not going to happen. And then the angel describes exactly what's going to happen. That's been prophesied through hundreds of years that this was going to happen. I mean, this goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. When God talks to the devil after sin happens into the world, after Adam and Eve sin, the way he talks to Eve, the way he talks to Adam, this is prophesied all the way back that this is going to happen. So at this point, Mary's thinking, either you're using me to fulfill the prophecy that is going to bring about the Messiah, which is nuts. (laughs) That's crazy. Why me? But she never actually responds like that, right? So what does she say? If you want to put up that last verse there, 
Titus. And Mary said, Behold. Everyone say, Behold. I am the servant of the Lord. Does that sound like an excuse? No. Come on, guys. I need you to work with me here. (laughs) No. She's not making excuses. Is she discrediting herself? she disqualifying herself? Is she trying to say, use someone else? No, none of this stuff is what she says. She says, I am the servant of the Lord. Guys, that is amazing. That takes incredible faith and trust in God that he's going to handle it. Because I'm sure that through all of this encounter with the angel, she's got to be thinking, oh gosh, what does this mean? People are really really going to ridicule me. (laughs) I'm going to be seen as a harlot. I'm going to be seen as somebody unfaithful. Nobody's going to believe me. How am I going to bring about this? (laughs) This is crazy. But none of those words come out of her mouth. She just says, so be it. She says, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She has entire trust in God that he's going to do this, that he has her back, that he's going to take care of it. And that takes incredible faith to do that. Pregnancy isn't an easy thing. Right, Caitlin? Right, McKenna? (laughs) Brandon. I was waiting for one of you guys to be like, I understand, what's the big deal? It happens millions of times a year. What's the problem? (laughs) You wouldn't understand. Neither would I. (laughs) But to be able to agree to this, say, yeah, sure, I'll go through pregnancy, I'll go through labor, I'll go through all of the hardships that come with that when I never even asked for this. (laughs) I never even agreed to this, wanted this, desired this at this moment. Yet she, she totally trusts God. Her response is, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. This is why her faith is so amazing. Other people in Scripture, they give excuse after excuse. Let's take Moses, for example. Moses, who's actually deemed as one of the greatest people in the Old Testament, according to Jewish uh, believers, like people that are Jewish, they're like Moses and Elijah. They're like, they're the top dog. They're the pioneers of our faith. They're the greatest people that ever walked the earth. That's what they say. And Moses, what does he do when God tells him to do something? He, he's like, you can't, no, got the wrong guy. Sorry, you, you must be thinking of my brother. <laughs> he's the one that you want. He makes excuses. He says, you can't use me. I can't talk. I don't know how to speak. I'm slow of speech. He's basically saying, I I have a speech impediment. I stutter when I talk. You don't want to put me in front of the leader of Egypt, which is like the king of the greatest nation at the time. And then God tells him again, nope, I've got the right person. And then what does he do? You're wrong. (laughs) God, you don't have the right person. He makes excuses again. So he's like, fine, I'll use your brother. And there's other people in Scripture Gideon's another one. Gideon's like, no, you got the wrong guy. He says it too. You got the wrong person. 
God, you don't want to use me. I'm the smallest of my family, and my family is the smallest of the clan, and my clan is the smallest of Israel. I'm the smallest of the smallest of the small. And God wanted to use him to win battles against the nation that was holding them in oppression and serious trouble. There's so many examples in Scripture of people that make excuses. Jeremiah makes the excuse, you don't want to use me, I'm too young, I'm a youth. And God says, do not say I'm just a youth. That's what I'm saying to you guys. (laughs) Don't say you're just a youth because God can use you. You saw the picture of the mustard seed, right? It's small. People would say it's insignificant. But it grows to a large plant that makes a difference. (laughs) And that's what God is talking about. Something that seems small, I can work with that. (laughs) Something that's tiny, insignificant, the world pays no attention to, that's exactly what I want. (laughs) I'm going to use that. And that's what he does with Mary. She's just minding her own business, doing her thing, and then angel shows up. God's found favor with you. Well, what does he want? And she responds with great faith. Lord, I'm your servant. I'll do whatever you want. I'll do whatever God asks me to do. And that's faith that's going to move mountains. Now here's where it comes back to you and me. In our story and what our part is to play in this world. You maybe weren't told, yeah, you're going to give birth to the Savior of the universe. (laughs) But God's called you to do something. God's put favor on you for something. Do you guys believe that? Huh? Just Caitlin? I think Caitlin believed this. (laughs) Do you guys believe that God's given you favor to accomplish something? And if you don't, this is exactly why I'm sharing this tonight. (laughs) God has something for you to do. You're not just supposed to go to school, get a job in the world, and just make money, buy a house, have a family, and die. (laughs) That's not your purpose here. Did you guys know that? Some of those things are great, right? But if that was your purpose, then people who don't actually accomplish some of those things lived a purposeless life. And that's not true. That's not reality. If that's the case, then Jesus lived a purposeless life. He didn't get married. He didn't buy a house. He didn't have a family, right? He didn't. (laughs) Yeah. He paid his taxes by going fishing (laughs) and pulling money out of the fish's mouth. That's pretty crazy, right? Your purpose is to know the Lord and make him known. That's why we're here. And God has a purpose for every single one of you here. Look to your person next to you and say, you have purpose. God has given you favor to bring about the purpose in your life that he has for you. The favor he gives you, it might, for Mary, it was to bring about the savior of the world and follow him. There's even a song that she sings that says, praise the Lord in God my savior. Implying that she needed a savior too, okay? Don't get into arguments with your Catholic friends over that, okay? (laughs) But it's there. 
But God is calling you to do something. Every single one of you. And some of you might have this tug in your spirit right now of like, I can't shake this, this thing that God keeps calling me to do. And I don't know what it is. It could be sharing your faith with somebody, inviting somebody to church, talking to your neighbor about Jesus, talking to your family about Jesus. Some of you have family members that don't know the Lord. It could be starting a Bible study with your school. Maybe. It could be getting on the worship team, and you're like, I can't, I can't speak, I can't sing, I can't do this, I can't do that. Well, Katie will be the judge of that, right? <laughs> and God. <laughs> but God's called you to something, and he's waiting for your response to be, Behold, I am your servant. Do what you want with me. Whatever you ask, I'll do it. Like I said, I don't know exactly what it is for you. It might be sharing your faith with, who knows, maybe even a teacher. Gary Swant, a member of this church, came to faith because a teenager talked to him when he was a biology teacher that did not believe in Jesus. (laughs) Which, talking to a science teacher would probably be the most intimidating thing of everyone. (laughs) That or an English teacher, because they... They can speak well. (laughs) In Deer Lodge, yep. Maybe God wants you to talk with a coworker if you've got a job, and there's this person that's there, and every time you get around him, you're like, ah, I feel like I'm supposed to bring up Jesus. How do I do that? How do I talk to this person? But I don't know exactly what it is for you, but God has called you to something, and I want you to know, if God has called you to do something, Obedience is the best response. Obedience is the best response. We have no idea what would have happened to Mary's life if she said, nope, not me, use somebody else. And I'm glad for that, honestly. Because we get to see an example of what incredible faith looks like, complete obedience, walked out, and what happened as a result of it. Things don't go great for her the whole way. But God is with her the whole way. And I don't know what it is God's called you to do, but it might, you might stumble over your words. You might struggle. You might do something, say something. You're like, man, I probably could have done it a different way. Maybe I should have started the Bible study with this book instead of that book. Maybe not Leviticus. I'll do a different one next time. <laughs> that was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> a couple of you did. Ha, ha, ha. But just know, God has given you favor for what he's called you to. Why? Because he doesn't want you to look bad. He doesn't want himself to look bad. He's like, I'm going to give you favor. I'm going to be with you the whole way. I will work this out. In the end, it will be the best choice. So think about this. This is what I want you to do in discussion groups. We're going to wrap things up here. we got a lot of time to discuss this. And I wanted to leave a good amount of time for you guys to talk about these things. Because I think God has put some serious stuff on your heart. He's stirring something inside you guys. He wants you to do something. And if you guys want to see change happen here, in Butte, in your schools, in, honestly, America, (laughs) which isn't always the greatest, (laughs) right? (laughs) You guys don't watch the news, do you? No. You know enough that things aren't always awesome. God has called you to amazing things. 
And I want you to know, he's given you favor. He will be with you through it. In the same way he was with Mary through the birth of Jesus. God called her to do the impossible. Seriously. It was impossible what she was about to walk through. But what does the angel say to her? With God, it's all possible. Everything's possible. If God's called you to do it, trust him. 